don't know about you, but I think that that is absolutely beautiful. Watching the human body push to its absolute limit through discipline, training, and sacrifice to do something absolutely incredible. You notice that while those individuals were running, there was absolutely no wasted motion. There was no aimless flailing of the arms. Just wholehearted pursuit, devotion, discipline, training to a single purpose. And that purpose is to win the prize. In their case, to win the race. And when you see so much energy and devotion poured into one thing and you see those kind of results, it's absolutely magnificent. Essentially, this is what Paul's message is to us here this morning in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27. Give your all. Be disciplined, be focused, train, sacrifice so that you can attain the prize. Now, I wonder, why is it Paul, why is Paul giving us this particular image here this morning in Scripture? This image of being all in and the training and the discipline that comes with being a focused athlete. Why didn't he give us the image of a giraffe? Why didn't he give us the image of a flower or a cow? Why this image? Why that of a runner running relentlessly in pursuit of the prize? What is it exactly that Paul is trying to communicate with us this morning? And what message is it that we are supposed to understand? I believe that when we look at this passage from Paul here this morning, there are a number of things that Paul is attempting to communicate with us. And so I want us to ask ourselves that question. What is Paul emphasizing by encouraging us to run in such a way as to win the prize? The very first thing that we notice is that we have to know the prize for which we run. We cannot run for a prize that we don't know what it is. We can't aim for something if we don't know what it is. Imagine for just a moment the Olympic archer being told to hit the bullseye, but no bullseye is given. So they're just going to shoot their arrow anywhere if they don't know where to shoot it. Or imagine the Olympic swimmer who's working to break the world record and might have a shot at it, except they don't know what the world record is. How do you break a world record when you don't know what it is for which you are aiming and attempting to move towards? In a very similar manner, we have to be absolutely crystal clear about what our prize is and what the prize is that Paul refers to here. What is our prize as followers of Jesus Christ? What is our prize and our goal as a church? Is our whole goal, our whole emphasis, our whole focus, just to make sure we have a roof over our head for one hour of worship a week on Sunday mornings? Is our whole goal to make sure we have enough money so that somebody will come and speak to us and play a little music on Sunday mornings? Is our whole driving force to make sure that we have at least enough people to gather another week and not have to disperse and go somewhere else? Is our whole goal just to make sure that our doors remain open and not close? Is our whole prize just to maintain Many churches, unfortunately, have made that their prize, their simple existence for their own organization and their own benefit. There's no sense of straining. There's no sense of training. There's no sense of focus. There's no sense of discipline to be all in. And unfortunately, they are dying all over the place because they've lost sight of the real goal, the real prize. 
But that's not the type of the prize that Paul is talking about here this morning. It's not the kind of prize he's talking about us running all in towards. Paul is talking about a prize for which we give our entire life, our entire being to, so that we might find eternal life in Jesus Christ. And here at First Church, we use these particular words to describe our prize. We lift them up frequently because they are our vision. We say that our prize, our vision, is to see transformation in Jesus Christ, changing lives inside and out. To know Jesus personally so that our world might be impacted socially through that relationship. To see folks who do not know Jesus come to know Jesus. To see heaven brought to earth as we pray every week in the Lord's Prayer. This is what we begin to mean by our prize. And never has this prize been as evident that it is needed and do we need to lift it up even as much as this past week. As we just look in the events of the life of our country. And we see acts of violence and injustice and division and racial divisions and all kinds of things. And we're reminded more than ever of the importance of this prize and that to which we come as a church to give ourselves to. So First Church, we give our all, every ounce of our being to this prize. We seek with laser focus upon it. That means when we gather together every week, we're not gathering just to keep our doors open. We're not gathering just so there's a speaker in front of us. We're not gathering and giving just so that we can keep our bills paid. We give and we invest and we use the financial resources God has given us so that in Jesus Christ, life may flow out of us, through us, and to all to know that life found in Jesus Christ. We give so that the prize of Christ might be known both here and for all of eternity. We give so that souls may be changed for eternity. We give so that we might partner with God and what God is up to in this part of the world. So what does that prize look like among us? What is it exactly that we are aiming for? Well, the prize looks like Bella. Bella's little girl I told you about last week. She was one of 300 kids at our vacation Bible school a couple of weeks ago. On Thursday of that week, the message of Christ was shared. And Bella came to understand for the very first time what it meant that Jesus died for her. And on that Thursday of that week, she broke into tears out of gratitude, recognizing what Jesus had done for her. And when she went home that day, she talked to her mom and she said, Jesus has helped me so much. I want to help someone else. And how can I do that? And they figured out together and Bella decided that she wanted to do something to help someone else. So she cut her very long hair so that she could give it to another child who didn't have hair because of sickness so that that child could have hair with a wig from her own. She did that because the message of Jesus was shared with her and it took root in her heart in such a way that she wanted to reach out and respond to others and the transforming love of Jesus Christ. That is our prize. The prize looks like Robert, a man who I had never met until a few weeks ago. He came to me at first night and he came up to me and talked to me after he had talked with a few others of our staff. He shared openly and honestly about the difficulties that he and his wife were having and truthfully about some of the very ugly things that had happened between them and how now they were on the brink of divorce. But he came to us at first night seeking prayer, seeking support, seeking guidance and seeking knowledge from God on how he could save his marriage because he did not want it to end. And he was looking for a way to save the life that he had with his wife because he didn't want that marriage to end. We give week in and week out so that we can provide food and shelter and staff and worship and support to the 200 folks who gather on Wednesday nights to eat together and have community together and worship together. That is our prize. 
The prize looks like Zach. Zach lost his dad a number of years ago, and at that critical time in his life, when there was so much instability, Zach turned, among other places, to this church, and specifically our staff in our youth-infused ministry. We give so that full-time staff can devote time and energy and attention to the Zachs. We give in a way to allow youth ministry to pour itself into our students. And in Zach's case, that helped lay a sense of stability and discipline in his life as he began to grow in new ways with Jesus. And in Zach's case in particular, that life of stability and discipline has actually grown to an extent that he is now feeling a call into pastoral ministry. Those things, that life of stability, that life of discipleship in Jesus, it happens through confirmation and retreats and membership and, again, investing in our youth. We give so that when we invest in our youth, there will be ripple effects for generations to come. That is our prize. And speaking of future generations, the prize to which we aim looks like new people discovering Christ in new places, places that we haven't gone before. And what we start to realize is that when we have the opportunity to go and share the love of Christ in new places with new people, we see this prize taking root right before our very eyes to go out and build relationships beyond the walls of this place, whether that is in the gym or in homes or on hiking trails, things like that, that the Acts Network allows us to be able to do. And let me say to you, First Church, very clearly here this morning, I've had a number of other pastors or laity come up to me, and they want to know more about this Acts Network thing that we are starting to work on and praying for and living into. And the reason that they come and ask me questions about it is because they need hope. They need to know that the church as a whole is not dead yet. They need to know there's another direction besides decline, that there are still powerful ways in our world to reach the world with the love of Jesus Christ and to know that Jesus is still on the move. So when we give and when we invest in things like the Acts Network, we are literally investing in hope, not only to those that we're meeting in the homes and the gyms and the hiking trails, but also to other churches. Because they realize, again, Jesus is still on the move. Church, this is our prize. It's not about bigger and better or numbers. It's about the Bellas and the Roberts and the Zachs and all the Axe Network folks that we can connect with. It's about being all in and focused and doing every single thing we can while we still have breath in our bodies to win the prize with as many folks as possible. That's why Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. We have to know the prize for which we're aiming. Paul's not asking us to invest in a prize that will fade or will perish. He's inviting us to be part of a prize that has eternal life, an eternal type of prize. If any of you are sports fans out there, even if you're not really a big sports fan, even if you're kind of a peripheral, casual one, you might have heard just a couple of weeks ago that there was the NBA, the National Basketball Association Championship. And in that championship series, it was the Cleveland Cavaliers against the Golden State Warriors, and the Cleveland Cavaliers won the championship. If you happen to see our tech director, Rob, make sure you congratulate him when you see him. He is still floating because his team won the NBA championship this year. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but the Cavaliers won the championship after being down three games to one in the final series, the best of seven series. That had never been done before in the finals. It might not seem like a big deal, but the Cavaliers beat the Golden State Warriors, who had had the best regular season ever in the history of basketball. Maybe that doesn't seem like a very big deal. But here's the city of Cleveland. They had not had a major champion in any sport in over 52 years. 52 years is a long, long time. So a couple of years ago, 
the Cleveland Cavaliers welcomed back their superstar, LeBron James. And when he came back to Cleveland, he promised he would do his best to win them a championship. So for the last few years, LeBron has been obsessed with winning that championship. He was relentless. He watched what he ate. He worked on his skills. He tried to find the right teammates. He demanded the right coaches. He drove himself deeper and deeper and deeper and trained harder and harder and harder like he never had before. And then against all odds, his team defeated the best regular season team in the history of the league. And when it was over, when the final buzzer sounded, LeBron was absolutely overcome with emotion. And he crumpled to the floor with tears of joy flowing down his cheeks. Why? Because the prize that he had sought for, the prize that he had fought for, the prize he wanted so desperately for himself and for the city had finally been won and realized. There were 10,000 people alone who greeted the team at the airport when they landed. They had well over a million people in the official parade when they went through town and celebrated this championship, this prize that they had been seeking for so long. True euphoria for the city. Now, church, I love sports. But all the efforts that I just described for you were for a prize that's perishable. It will pass. Next year, there'll be a new champion. Eventually, even the great LeBron James will pass away. Someday, this great victory will be a footnote in the history books. No lives were saved. No children were rescued. Nobody was cured from a deadly disease. Hunger continues to exist in our world. There are no eternal implications from bouncing a round ball and throwing it through a round cylinder more frequently than your opponent. So Paul comes to us this morning and says, you hear that? Do you hear all the effort and attention and discipline and training that people will go to for a prize that is perishable? Well, guess what? For you as a follower of Jesus, you strive for a prize that is imperishable. So if people are going to go to all that effort for something that's going to fade away, what does it look like for us as a follower of Christ to invest in something that will last forever and have an impact forever? Last week, we referenced in Luke chapter 8, verse 3, this obscure little passage where you hear about Jesus going around and doing ministry with his disciples. And then you hear about these couple of women. And it said that these couple of women came alongside Jesus. And what was it they did? They took of their own means and invested in the ministry of Jesus. They knew that following Jesus and supporting Jesus and giving financially to the ministry of Jesus was part of being part of the greatest prize for which they could live and give themselves. They made it part of their life mission to support Jesus and his ministry and to do whatever they could to make that ministry happen and flourish, to impact as many lives as possible. They recognized that it was more important to give to that ministry towards an imperishable prize than anything else they could do. So my question to us is, what about us? Is it part of our life mission to support the ministry of Christ? Paul reminds us we have to know that for which we are aiming, the prize for which we are aiming. What is it that Paul emphasizes to us here this morning by encouraging us to run in such a way as to get the prize? He reminds us that we must be disciplined, focused, and all in. We've just spent some time defining the prize, this imperishable prize that we as followers of Jesus Christ seek after. It is the most glorious prize we can imagine. And it's a prize that requires everything we've got. Paul tells us to run in such a way as to win the prize. Well, what kind of running is that? He tells us to be strict, to give every ounce of who we are. And those opening 
pictures of the video that we watched. You didn't see arms going like this aimlessly. You saw a focus and an intensity and a discipline as they were strict with how they were training themselves. The term for strict training in 1 Corinthians 9.25 is a term called egratia. It means self-dominion to rule over ourselves. It means being able to say no to things that could harm us or diminishes our faith or the running of us in our race. Church, there are so many ways right now that we lift up and celebrate what God is doing among us. And I hope you hear that on a regular basis for me. But one of the ways that we are being harmed in our race, one of the ways that we are not all in, one of the ways that we're not experiencing egratia, that strict training, is in the area of our finances and specifically tithing. You will remember that tithing is the giving of our first 10% to God of our finances, the first 10%. And yet, like we talked about last week, the average Christian gives 2.5% of their resources to God and the ministry of the church. That's not all in living. It's not living with a, a sense of strict training on our part. And this lack of giving, this lack of focus, this lack of commitment, it keeps us from fully running in such a way as to get the prize that Paul's laying out for us. And what's worse, for many of us, we don't even want to give. In an effort to communicate as clearly as possible, our lead council has sent out a couple of letters to everyone who is regularly connected with First Church. And we are sharing with you, and we've done that because as we look ahead to 2017, we're recognizing some significant projected shortfalls. And normally, we do our stewardship focus in the fall of each year, but also in the fall of each year is when we set our budget. And over the last couple of years, we've recognized that we don't have a full idea of everybody's commitment before the budget is finalized. And therefore, we have to always make a little bit of a guess going into the next year. So this year, in an effort to not have to guess, we're moving our stewardship time up a little bit earlier to this time of the year. So that when we are done giving our full commitments, we should know that by the fall and know exactly what we're looking for and needing to deal with moving to 2017. The letters that were sent out to everybody, they're not meant to threaten or to scare They're just intended to communicate clearly where we are and the choices that we face when we are not all in. If we don't run the race with the sense of egratia or strict training. So church, I am flat out asking for your partnership for your commitment to win this prize, to partner with God in all ways, but particularly in our finances, and even to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. We will be sharing in a commitment Sunday a couple of weeks from now, and we ask for your partnership in sacrificing and committing that Sunday. Now, truthfully, there are a few of us who do that, and we are so grateful for that, but most of us do not. Why is it that we do not live with a sense of self-control and sacrificial commitment, particularly in relation to our finances? Lots of times people will come up to me and they'll say, Pastor Matt, I just don't have anything else to give. And sometimes that's true. It is. But more often than not, that is code language for I am not running with a sense of strict training when it comes to my finances. Because in our more honest moments, we admit that God, more often than not, does not come before our smartphones, our computers, our cable packages, our vacation, our eating out, our ice cream, beer, new clothes or new shoes or other luxuries. We say we don't have necessary resources to tithe, and yet we have resources for those other items. And what this really reveals is that the issue we face more often is a lack of discipline, a lack of focus and passion for sharing the gospel, a lack of commitment, rather than a lack of resource. 
Church, we cannot claim that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives and then not tithe. Otherwise, we are making Jesus not Lord over our stuff and our money and our resources. We are holding out. We are refusing to surrender. And we are living without sacrifice, discipline, and training on our end. In general, I don't hear people come up to me very often and say, I don't like what the church is doing, so I'm not giving anymore. As far as I can tell, most of the time, people enjoy the benefits that the church offers. We just don't want to have to fully commit ourselves so that we or others can continue to receive those benefits. Every month, we publish in our newsletter the potential deficit that we are facing or the real deficit we're facing. And most of the time, we look at those numbers and we think, oh, that's too bad. Someone else will take care of that. And on we go with life as normal. Oftentimes, unwilling ourselves to step in and make a difference in that deficit area. Reminds me of that children's story. Some of you probably heard it, the little red hen. Again, if you're a little bit older, especially, you might be familiar with that story. There was once a little red hen who lived on a farm and was friends with a lazy dog, a sleepy cat, and a noisy duck. One day, the red hen found some seeds on the ground and had an idea to plant those seeds. The red hen then asked her friends, who will help me plant the seeds? Not I, said the lazy dog. Not I, said the sleepy cat. Not I, said the noisy duck. So the red hen said she would do it herself, and she did. When the seeds had grown, she then asked her friends, who will help me harvest now the wheat? Again, the lazy dog, the sleepy cat, the yellow duck, they all said, not I. So the red hen decided to do it herself. The same thing happened when it was time to take the wheat to the mill and ground the wheat into flour and then bake the bread. Each time she asked for help doing those work items. And each time the red hen was greeted with the response, not I, not I, not I. But then when it was time for the bread to be baked, when it was time to come and eat the bread, the red hen asked, who will help me eat the bread? And the lazy dog barked, I will. And the sleepy cat heard, I will. And the noisy duck quacked, I will. But by then the red hen was so frustrated that she'd had to do all the work herself. She decided to eat all the bread herself as well. Truthfully, we're not so different from the friends of the little red hen. We love the benefits of the church. We love the prize of Christ being offered by the church, but we don't want to be asked to sacrificially contribute to those benefits of the prize or have to train or sacrifice to be disciplined to reach the prize. We love the idea that we have technology to offer as a church and to do live stream, but don't ask me to contribute to make it happen for others. We love belonging to a church in which there is cool air in the summer and warm air in the winter, but don't ask me to contribute to something as mundane as facility operations. We love the idea that we belong to a church that provides safe places for our children and youth and hiring adults to invest in them and see their lives change, but don't ask me to contribute to those staff salaries. We love the idea of belonging to a church where we help feed the hungry and love our neighbors and to share the gospel in new ways, but don't ask me to contribute to their needs. We love the idea and we enjoy the benefits of a church with a strong small group ministry, but don't ask me to contribute to others' spiritual formation. And we love the idea that we belong to a group of people doing all it can to reach out and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others through things like the Acts Network or Celebrate Recovery or the launch of a North Campus, but don't ask me to give to evangelize in our own community. Do we hear the lack of commitment, the lack of single-minded focus? the lack of running with strict training to win the prize and be all in. Paul says we have to be all in in order to win the prize. 
But lest we despair and lest we hear those things and just be like, oh, geez, holy, when is this going to end kind of thing? Please hear the last part of the message that Paul gives to us. When he asks the question of encouraging us to run in such ways to get the prize, what else is he encouraging us? He says this, church, we receive the prize when we run with strict discipline. Paul makes it clear that if we run with a sense of training and focus and discipline and commitment, we will receive the prize. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, run in such a way as to not be disqualified from the prize. In other words, run in such a way as to win the prize. Church, we can do this. We were made to do this. Together, if each and every one of us will say, I will make this commitment and I will train and I will sacrifice and I will discipline for the sake of the gospel, we can do it. And not only can we do it together, but God will move in our own individual lives in ways that God never has before. The greatest challenge that I face when I stand before you, and I don't know why this is a result of our culture and other things. I don't know. But when I stand before you and say, will you partner with us to give more financially? For most of us, all we hear is simply a plea for more money which makes us shut down. That is not the case. This is a deeply spiritual matter. What I'm asking for is a change of heart to understand this is an invitation to partner with God, to join with God, to do what God made us to do. Remember, God made us to be givers. God, God's self is a giver to partner with God in the development of God's kingdom. That's our purpose. That's our joy. That's what we were wired for to be sold out for the life transforming love of Jesus Christ. This is our heartbeat and our passion and our zeal. So when I stand before you and say, will you join us in this? It's not meant to be a burden. It's meant to get at the heartbeat of who we are. It is a spiritual matter. So that we, like those ladies in Luke 8, 3, can come along and say, this is my life mission, to contribute to the sharing of the gospel in whatever way I can. Maybe I can't be at the church every day. Maybe I can't lead a small group every night. Maybe I can't lead a disciple Bible study or Acts Network group somewhere else. But by the grace of God, I can give and I can train and I can sacrifice to say, here, God, take what is yours and use for your glory, your honor, and your kingdom. And then not only is the body built up, but we grow ourselves. I don't know if you realize this or not. I've never shared this with you before. And I share this even now a bit hesitantly, but I think it's important that you know this. There's a reason behind this. Right now, First Church, you are the largest church in our conference, at least by average worship attendance, by over about 200 people. You are doing things that few other churches in our conference and even in our entire denomination are attempting to do, things like the Axe Network. And at our annual conference this year, the work that you are doing through the Axe Network was shared with about 900 other churches to inspire them, to share efforts of how Jesus is moving in our world in some new ways. God is literally using you to offer hope to the conference, the denomination, and beyond. Now, I share that with you this morning, not to puff you up, not to say, hey, look at us or look what we're doing in the conference or nomination or anything like that. I say it for this reason. I believe that God is strategically placing you in the place where you can have the greatest kingdom impact for the influencing of souls for eternity. 
And it's not about the numbers. It is about love. It is about Matthew 28. It is about reaching every Bella, every Zach, every Robert that we can, one by one by one with the love of Jesus Christ. It is about thanks be to God, realizing God's call on our life and that God would say, I desire to use you and that we will be counted worthy for the kingdom purposes and goals that God has in store for us. What a joy and what a tremendous responsibility, one that should drive us to our knees. What will it take for us to say, God, I am all in. I will sacrifice and discipline and train and do everything I can to be part of what you are up to in this little corner of the world. The sweetest victories are those that overcome the greatest obstacles. The, the Olympic stories and athletes will remember this upcoming year are those that we witnessed or hear their story of all the barriers they had to overcome in order to achieve their victory. So today, I humbly ask for your partnership in the gospel. Would you prayerfully consider if you are not tithing, what it will take through discipline and training and sacrifice to tithe? And if we are tithing, how we might be a legacy giver beyond that to say, I am all in. And most of all, please, 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 please pray. Will you prayerfully, genuinely pray about being a Luke 8, 3 giver? Like those ladies who said, it is part of my life mission to support the work of God. Church, we're not looking to be bigger or better than anyone else. We just want to run and reach the prize. We just, with no regrets, want to be able to say, Lord, we are all in. And we held nothing back from you. And we trust that as we hold nothing back from you, you will do incredible things in the building of your kingdom in our world. So church, I invite us to run and run and run. Straining and training and being focused, and being all in, so that together we might win the prize. Amen.